like the Warriors have the football. An unbelievable start. Handoff is to Pellerin. Bowls his way in to the goal line. Play action. Complete to Lamb. Now Tyrell Ford's got some room. Watch out for Tyrell Ford. Touchdown, Warriors. Get used to it. Welcome to the next episode of the Waterloo Warriors Armchair Quarterback. I am your host, Lukey Boy Balch, real quarterback, turned into the armchair quarterback, hits to the head, turned into chips to the gut, ready to go. Coming off our first loss of the season to the McMaster Marauders, 34-13 down in Hamilton. All good, though, still atop the division at the 2-1 record. And we got a great episode for you ahead. We got Gordon Lom, uh, who had a great game at receiver. We got Andy Mello, uh, defensive back, playing safety. And in Coach's Corner, we got the always entertaining John Behe. So thanks for listening, and let's go. As always, our first segment called the Super Quick Recap in case you missed the game. Max started off with a one-yard TD run then they got a couple of field goals go up 13 nothing they had another touchdown pass to go up 20 nothing we got a safety it was 20 to 2 then they got another touchdown which unfortunately let us down 27 to 2 at halftime but we came flying out of the gate and got a touchdown from Rashawn Dagelman passed from Trey Ford 27 10 Gordon Long with a two-point conversion uh Cole Corsett came down and kicked the field goal it was 27 13 uh then Mac got another touchdown 34 13 the final shoot I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Okay, to get the uh, players only section going, we got on offense here, Gordon Lom, uh, fifth year receiver from Kitchener. Gordon had 10 catches for 139 yards on the weekend and now leads the OUA in receptions with 20. Uh, Gordon, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's talk about the game. You know, it looks like the first half we were unable to find some rhythm, but in the second half, from that, especially in that first drive, we came out, um, found that rhythm, and you were able to see some more targets. The offense looked like there was in, you know, a bit more of uh, in sync. What adjustments were made at halftime? What were the coaches saying? And how were you able to get going there in the second half? I think what a big part had to do with it at halftime was just our mindset flipping. And Coach Bird talking to the team and rallying everybody together and letting everybody know that this was a fight that he said that was going to happen at practice. Because he did warn us that McMaster was kind of a wounded beast and that they weren't going to take us lightly. And I think a few of our mindsets just weren't fully prepared to get into that battle that they gave us. But then at halftime, Coach Bird was able to just rally everybody on the offensive end and just pull us together and, and, I don't know, just pull us in the same boat and we're kind of more ready than, than the start of the game, for sure. Yeah, so do you think it was it was some schematic things, like different play calling, different play design, or was it really just a mindset of the, the boys just coming out with a little more hunger? I think it was just the mindset of the whole team. I just think McMaster was just, as a team and as a unit, they were more hungry than we were to start off the game, and we... Finally, when we were able to catch our breath and realize what was happening at halftime, that's when we were able to respond as a team and as a unit. But that was the majority of it, I feel like, was just the different mindsets between the two teams. Yeah, so, I mean, the second half went well, but we still only, at the end of the day, scored 13 points on offense. 
-hmm. What can you attribute to, to that low point total? Uh, you and I talked a little bit after the game about that red zone efficiency. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think was, was the, the key points of, of us not getting as, as many points on the board as we wanted to? Well, first off, I think if you just look at the score, it will paint a painter. It will paint a different picture than what actually happened on the field. Because I think we left at least three touchdowns on the board and on the field, and I think, like I don't know, like majority of those, majority of those drives that we didn't execute on in the red zone, I think came in the first half, and there was maybe one or two in the second half. The majority ones in the first half, we had like the whole first half, our offense had a bunch of mental buzz that we were shooting ourselves in the foot. It wasn't really McMaster beating, like whooping, like whooping us in the first half. We did have a lot of mental buzz at the receiver spots, myself included. We had uh, some bust up front at the O-line and it just made it tough to capitalize on drives when we actually needed to. And maybe it was, maybe... And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it was, but I think those mental busts did not help on our end. We were just shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the receiving core. Um, you know, we look at the box score in the last couple of games. There's there's new guys coming up. You know, we got Sukar, we have Basiliga, to name mm -hmm. a few, making some plays. Uh, you know, you're being uh, the senior and the leader of the receiving core. What have you been pleased with so far from those guys and, and even yourself? Uh, and what do you want to see continue to improve upon it for our past game to be successful? I think, well, first off, what I'm pleased about the most <clears throat> is uh, seeing, like, our young crop kind of grow before my eyes. Because, like, it wasn't too long ago where it was it was Gordon and Tyler or Tyler and Gordon, like, you know what I mean? But now that Tyler is gone, I've got to see young Sukar play amazing phenomenal football and like he had that football in him for a while we just had to figure out how to bring it out of him and then now you have guys like James trying to replace Tyler's ghost and Tyler's production and what he did and see him execute that is amazing too and it feels like and like Cookie is doing and Cookie's having a phenomenal like a crazy year as well right not to not to forget about him and Barnabas but like it's amazing to see how many, how many other targets can produce? Because it wasn't until this game that I actually got targeted as much as I did, and I think that it was. And before, even before we lost this game, I thought it was amazing if we were able to win all these games almost playing left-handed without, without having me have these type of games. Because like, I don't know, we are a team and we are a unit. So to have other people, because like. I do get prepped for, I get game plan for, I get doubled, I get help with the will, help with the safety, help with the half corner. Like, you know what I mean? They do the most. So to have guys that, especially like Sukar, James, Cookie, and Barnabas, that can score, that can get the first downs, that can make electrifying plays, that do hurdle people. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, those type of guys as well, seeing them make plays, I think, like, if we just continue to to spread the rock like how we are now, I think we'll be fine because you can try your best to stop one player, but we have four other solid receivers that can move the chains, that can score, and that could produce how I could produce, really. So Yeah, I think 
Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it there, Gordon, because you know the first couple games, you could see the defense was shifting towards you because they didn't know about the other players that we had that could make plays. And now mm-hmm. teams have to game plan accordingly, and, and maybe you'll be able to get um, get some more targets in that single coverage, which you can you can always beat, and you've you've proved that. So um, mm-hmm. you know, that that's great. Uh, so we're headed into the bye week. Obviously, it's it's crazy that the season's half over. Um, yeah. You know, Gordon, this is your your fourth year, your fifth year of of school. Have you thought mm-hmm. about plans? Have you thought about plans beyond this year? Are, are you? Is your mindset this is your last year? Is it your second last year? You know, how's how's the school going? What's what's next for you? Do you know? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I have an idea. Uh, I plan to graduate at the end of the summer term, and I also plan to enter the CFL draft this year. So depending on what happens with uh, the draft, I'll either hopefully be coming back to start uh, my master's, or hopefully by September I'll be in a training camp and continuing my football career. Well, I think both of those scenarios are, are incredible and, you know, we wish you the best of luck and I know, you know, you and I will for sure talk soon and hopefully we can get you on the podcast again later on. So we'll get you out on that. Gordon. Thank you for 100%. your time tonight uh, and, and good luck in the last half of the year, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on here and spending your time with me. Love it. Right. See you, buddy. Take care. Bye. Okay, we're continuing the players' only section with uh, on defense Andy Mello, fourth-year DB from Georgetown, studying biomedical sciences. Uh, Andy had f- seven tackles uh, in the game on Saturday. Uh, Andy, appreciate your time, man. Uh, thank you very much. All right, so Andy, this is now your your third year on the team, I believe, uh, in in your second year getting getting that starting spot at the safety position. Do you find that the game has slowed down for you? Are you able to see route combinations more? Are you able to understand what the quarterback's thinking? Tell us about that experience and how it's played into your year so far. I feel like a a big part of being like a third year and playing in that safety position for a little bit now is having more like confidence and trust in like my initial reads and visions. And uh, yes, like the game has kind of almost felt like it slowed down a bit but that's just because I'm getting more of the route reading down and I'm understanding the way some of these quarterbacks play and how to manipulate some of these other teams offenses all right so let's dive into that game on Saturday um you know after watching the film and, and just reflecting on what happened what do you feel the biggest reason for for Duick's success and overall McMaster's success in the past game was what would you attribute that to uh, I think uh, McMaster had a very good uh, game plan against us coming into it. Uh, they attacked us a lot on uh, the triple underplays, which uh, we prepped for, but we weren't really ready to see that kind of much of it. And they hit us a lot like in our dig windows and field out windows and right in the area between our DBs and our linebackers. So it's just the spot in our defense that we kind of need to improve on. And it's awesome that we got to play against a team like this. So they got to show us where we need to improve and how we need to improve those little blimps in our defense bef- as like moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and to go on to that, uh, Andy, you know, Duek was ma- able to make some plays by extending the play with his feet, by keeping his eyes downfield and making some big downfield throws. I mean, talk to the listeners about how hard that really is from a defensive back standpoint of, you know, people have to do that against Trey all the time, but but now we had to do that against them. What's that like trying to play safety and, and he's running around, but staying behind the line of scrimmage? 
Well, Duek will is definitely uh, probably the best quarterback that we'll play against, like other than Trey. But thank God we don't have to play against him. But uh, the problem is, is he's good in the way that he's scrambling and he's running around in the pocket. And when he gets out of the pocket, sorry, he's looking downfield and it just extends the plays. And it's very hard to attach routes for eight, nine, ten seconds because receivers are moving everywhere. You need to lock up in zone coverage, find a man and close. And there's a couple of times where he got us where we were kind of half in the bag between two receivers, not knowing which one to attach to. And he uh, he uh, took advantage of that in one or two times. So we're heading into the bye week. I mean, we're still two and one in a great position for the playoffs. Defense is still playing well and we're ranked pretty good statistically. You know, what what is uh, as Coach Darrell Adams been telling us, telling you guys this, um, you know, on maybe on Sunday during the rundown? And what do you want to see from the guys moving into the last three games, maybe from the secondary perspective? Basically, our major takeaway from this game was that we're not going to let one game determine our season. And every football player, every team loses one game. And uh, we took away the fact that this is a really like good game to lose for us because it shows us how we have to play through adversity and be resilient in the way that we need to show how we can come back from this loss. We got embarrassed on the weekend. We know that we are a better team and we should have been a better team. It's just we need to show that we are resilient. We need to show that we can make changes in the correct adjustments to be that team that we ultimately know we are. So going into the bye week, we're doing everything we can and not to have this week of relaxing time and whatever we we'll see our family but we're really getting into Guelph already we've already looked into Guelph's film we want to just pretty well prove to the league that we are that team and we are that defense that we like sought ourselves to be and we want to prove that on the field next time we play Guelph yeah I mean obviously losing sucks but as you said better lose now you know figure out the mistakes and then lose in, in potentially in the playoffs um you know with, if you don't meet that adversity so uh you know from from being a previous coach on the staff i know coach Bertoya and all the way down is is a glass half full let's find some positives out of this negative and and it sounds like you know your defense and yourself is, is taking that which is awesome so andy let's uh let's get you out on on this note um putting football aside uh, as i mentioned in the top here biomedical sciences student you know I, you and i have, have talked at length about what that means um you know from from my advising time but talk to uh, the listeners about your future goals from a professional standpoint, you know, you're in your fourth year. What's next? What do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to become? Uh, well, as of right now, I'm just, uh, I'm finishing up my, uh, my minor or my, uh, major in biomedical sciences. I'm doing a double minor one in chemistry and medical physiology. Uh, the plan in the, in the future, the near future actually is to write my MCAT in the next couple upcoming months and uh, to eventually apply to medical sales, or sorry, to medical school, sorry. And uh, it's a scary, interesting, and fun time all wrapped up together. So you want to write your MCATs like right after the season? It's going to be at the beginning to middle of the summer is what I want to uh, write my MCAT for. All right, man. Well, we're all uh, wishing you good luck. And obviously, that's, that's an important stage of your life. Last question is, how do you feel you know, playing football at the university level will prepare you for, for a career in uh, in medicine, if that's where you end up being? 
I feel like football is one of those sports that you can't really be half in and half out. You need to really fully dedicate your time and fully dedicate kind of a lot of stuff to football. And it teaches you how to be passionate and it teaches you how to take pride in your work and in your time that you have and just really make sure that you use every hour of your day and everything that you do to like your fullest of your ability, just like going out to practice and like doing your best that you can at practice so you can do better in the future. It's the same thing as if you're trying to be a doctor, it's not like you're going to be half in the bag when you go to work, right? You want to do everything you can to your fullest and you want to play through like the, like, like adversity and just, it's really awesome. Football has taught me so many things and I would never trade it for the world. Awesome, man. That sounds great. We'll, we'll get you out on that. So appreciate your time, Andy. Uh, have a good night and get back to studying, man. All right. Thanks a lot, coach. Have a good one. Right. See ya. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives. All right. We're in the coach's corner here with passing coordinator John Behe. John, thanks for coming out, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Luke. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to start with this, John. I mean, you had a successful career playing at McMaster, followed by even more successful career, in my opinion, uh, coaching there. And Vanier Cup win, you know, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel heading back there when you coach against them? Is it is it just another game for you, or does it really have, have a different meeting, when, when you, especially when you're playing there? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think there's been so many changes since I left there that, to be honest, it's just, you know, another game, you know, I drive in and, um, kind of marvel at all the buildings that have popped up and, um, you know, all the changes that have happened since I've been there. So in that sense, there is, you know, it's kind of just like another place that I don't know a lot about, but on the other hand, yeah, you're right. Like there was a lot of time that I spent there, uh, between playing and coaching 15 years. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not really thinking about that uh, when, you know, when the, we're warming up or when the game's on, it's sort of not, not on my mind at all, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about that game on, on Saturday. It looked like the offense took, took a while to find some rhythm um, in the first half or some, some two and outs. Um, couldn't really get the, the run game going. It looked like came out in the second half though, and, and really moved the ball. Well, that first drive was, was great. Did you make any adjustments at halftime or was it simply a matter of execution? Did Mac change what they were doing on defense? Just, uh, you know, walk us through that game a little bit. Well, yeah, I don't want to, you know, and I hate to ever say like, it's just about execution because that's putting it on the players and, you know, it's not always on, on them. I think to each of them as a man, you know, they would say that they could have done better. Sure. But we also could have made better calls and made better adjustments earlier too. So I think it's, you know, maybe in sort of meet in the middle and it's probably a little bit of both, uh, but certainly going to and out to start the game, uh, I think twice, if not three times, um, is not ideal, um, especially when we were behind. You know, our defense needs us, our defense needs us, you know, to score when they're reeling a little bit and we couldn't do that. And then, you know, that kind of factors into the uh you know, lack of run game is because we're down two scores and then we start pressing a little bit. And, you know, perhaps again, that's on us as coaches. Maybe we need to not press so much, but at the same time, again, we got a fifth year quarterback and a really good group of receivers. And, um, you know, we saw what sort of we were capable of in the second half. 
we just, uh, it was in a sense too little too late. So let's, uh, let's talk about the quarterback play. Um, two years ago on the podcast, um, you know, you and I talked about Trey's development and you mentioned, you know, you haven't really seen his ceiling yet. You weren't sure how good he can actually become. You know, we're halfway through his fourth and, and potentially final year. What have you seen from him so far this year? Uh, do, do you know now how, how good he can be, you know, particularly as a passer in the OUA or, or just an overall quarterback? Yeah, I think I think he's still think he has potential to play professionally, you know, and that means CFL. Um, I think that athletically he can compete with anybody there is in the country. And I mean, all of our fans at Waterloo or across the OUA have seen um, what he's capable of in terms of his athletic ability. But I think one of the big differences for him this year has just been that leadership role where he is confident and comfortable taking on a role of telling guys where to go, commanding that huddle. You know, now that he's one of the older guys on the team, he's able to just take full command and have full grasp of what we're doing. Now, we also want to make sure that he's not pressing too much. I think that happened a little bit with Laurier and maybe a little bit against Mac as well when we got down and he's trying to do a little too much. And, you know, we just want the game to come to him and Trey's very coachable and is very quick to, you know, hear and be receptive to um, critique of his play. And I think that that helps a lot. And, you know, I, one of the challenges for us this year for him also is every week defensive coordinators have a different plan to stop him and his abilities. And so sometimes it takes us some time to figure that out. And that's unfortunate for us as an offense because, you know, as we saw on Saturday, you know, we dug a hole for ourselves by the time we kind of really got command of what we were doing. So uh, I can't say enough about how much better he makes us as a football team. And like I said, he, I think he's got potential to play uh, beyond this year, and that's not at Waterloo. Yeah, you, you and I have talked at length about what we like to call overcoaching. You know, when you have a, a guy like Trey and, and his special abilities, how do you find the line between, you know, really drilling down what, what you want to see from him versus letting him, him just, just go out there and ball? Yeah, and again, that's, that's a good point. And we have talked about that. I mean, some of the veteran guys that, we, you know, I've had a chance to coach, but also you as well. And it, I think it's important always when you get a senior, a more senior guy to make it more of a partnership than a dictatorship. And so welcoming feedback and um, some guys give more than others over my, you know, over my years coaching. Some guys like to be more active with the game plan and other things like that. Others, uh, maybe not so much, uh, but you know, we're certainly open to it. And so when Trey makes a suggestion, I mean, he's the one out on the field having to do it, not us. And so if he's not comfortable with something, he, you know, I hope that he feels confident and comfortable enough to tell us that. And um, I think we've created that, uh, you know, relationship, not just with myself, but with uh, Coach Bertoya and our other offensive staff and with our receivers as well. Um, so there is a fine line there between over coaching someone because, you want them to excel and giving them too much to think about. And we've, we talk about that regularly as a staff offensively about how, you know, we need to give our guys the tools, but not micromanage sometimes. Um, so 
certainly guys earn that right. And I think Trey's over his three years now, four has earned the right to kind of give us that feedback and, um, you know, explain to us what he sees and what he wants to do with, within our offense. So let's, let's talk about the, the offense as a whole. I mean, we're, are already halfway done this season, which is yeah, that's, weird to think about. <laughs> Three games down. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to see in the latter half, again, from not just Trey, but as the as an offense in order to, you know, to come up with some, some good numbers and some good points for against, you know, the, the big boys coming up, Guelph and Western. Um, what do you like to see moving forward uh, and as we, you know, prepare for that? Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, to, to get to where you want to get to, you got to know who you are. And certainly after almost two years off, there's a feeling out process about people's abilities and guys are older and, you know, maybe guys aren't getting up to speed. And so I think as a league, you, that'll create some variability. And so you see Windsor beating Guelph, Guelph beating uh, Western, you know, like there's a circular sort of thing with the five teams right now where everyone's beating everybody. And I think that that's in part due to the, to the year off last year because of COVID and just guys not being maybe in shape, maybe, you know, uh, game ready. You know what I mean? With game ready is different than sort of practice ready. Right. So, uh, also the other thing is the coaches haven't coached in two years. And so it's getting back into it with us as well. And so for us specifically on offense, I think we've started to get a feel for who we need to get on the field and when, because these are, this is a new receiving core, but you know, we lose Tyler and a couple other guys um, at various spots. And so guys are new, even though they're not new to our team, they're new starters. And so they've got different roles and, you know, figuring that out, we've been banged up on the offensive line. So I hope, hopefully we can use this bye week to get healthy and then, you know, have our starting five actually, play together as a unit because continuity at the old line is so, so important. And then obviously, like you mentioned it earlier, uh, was we've got to, we've got to be able to turn some yards out on the ground to take some pressure off a tray in our receiving core to make the plays, especially when we get, especially when we get, uh, down, we, you know, we, or sorry, when we get up, we have to be able to run out the clock and churn out first downs. But when we're down, we need to feel confident enough to run the football so that we can get those six, seven yards and win first down. If we don't get those and then we feel like we're second and long every time, we can get swallowed up just like anybody does. Second and long, we've got to stay out of. So certainly excited. I mean, the OUA West seems like uh, one of, if not the best sort of division or conference in Canada right now with a lot of parity. And um, I think if you asked any sort of unbiased observer, they would say that they have no idea who's going to win the thing. And that's exciting. I mean, that's, that's what we want it to be. We don't want it to be one or two teams meeting every year. There's a log jam there between first, really, I mean, first and fifth, everyone's got to win. So um, actually, Laurie's got one too, first and sixth. So it's, um, it's exciting. It's, it's some years it's not like that. And um, certainly the, uh, the parity is, is deep. So we're excited and we know that we can score and we just need to be a little bit more consistent with it and you know we'll be able to do good things yeah we're looking forward to to seeing uh, those those big games and you know as you said the parity can only be be good overall for for football in, in canada and especially football in ontario so well even even in the wet even in the you know quebec conference you've seen laval lose twice montreal's lost and you know that could be a product of 
you know, the year off or just this unknown of getting back into, you know, a very physical sport. So uh, OUA West here is not immune to that. And so it is exciting, though, because, you know, as much as the OUA has been pretty good the last couple of years, it's always Laval Calgary. And uh, it would be great if we could see some, some other teams pop up and make an appearance in that final four. All right, Coach, we're going to get you out on this. What is your go-to dish for Thanksgiving? What are we looking <laughs> most forward to eating? What's on the What's on the menu? You know, give us a rundown here. Well, the one thing the one thing I never go with I don't like the the cranberry sauce or whatever. Not for me. No chance. Never. It don't waste <laughs> don't don't waste the gut space. Not a big not a big mashed potato guy either because it's just it's just too much too much uh, emptiness and my wife's right beside me and she's just shaking her head because she loves the mashed potatoes you know what i love to do i love to make a thanksgiving sandwich and so a sandwich guy i take the i take the rolls i jam a whole bunch of stuffing in there i put some turkey in there and then i get the gravy on the side for dipping and then maybe a little bit of sweet potato thrown in there as well and it's just down the hatch can make three or four of those we got ourselves you got yourself a Thanksgiving sandwich. <laughs> you got yourself a sword gut at the end of the day. Nah, it's all That's good. I well also played, man. That's well played. I, I, quite, I quite enjoy green beans as well. That green bean casserole with the onion, you know, the onions on top and stuff. I love that as well. So yeah, I'll make sure a little to get that. In there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get the greens in as well. Yeah, and I'm a dark, I'm a dark turkey guy. It's a little more the dark meat. More, well, it's not. I know it's not as healthy, but it's got a little more flavor, a little more juice in it, right? I'm turkey. With you. Can, Turkey can be dry, so yeah, I'm with you. Pat, yeah, you know, you, everyone has the things they like, and yeah. the important thing is you don't waste this space on the things you don't love. There you go. That's, that's, that's it. That's what life you advice sure. from Coach B. Yeah, Here we yeah. go. That's right. That's right. All hey, right. next like, time, next time, maybe don't have me on after a loss. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> maybe right, catch, well, catch a dub and have me on. All right. There you go. I appreciate your time, man. I'm sure we'll we'll catch up uh, yeah, on yeah, the podcast no again. Great job with the pod. It's awesome stuff. All right. Have a good night. Okay, thanks, Luke. Well, that's all we have for you for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As the Warriors head into a bye week mid-season here, uh, great timing as the Thanksgiving weekend approaches. We will have an episode ready for you next Tuesday, though. That episode will feature Duncan Prang, who is the chair on the newly formed Alumni Committee. So we're excited for that conversation to hear all about the initiatives upcoming for them. So until then, thank you so much. Go Warriors, go. And happy Thanksgiving. Looks like the Warriors have the football. An unbelievable start. Handoff is to Pellerin. Bowls his way in to the goal line. Play action. Complete to Lamb. Now Tyrell Ford's got some room. Watch out for Tyrell Ford. Touchdown.